Welcome everybody back to Out on a Limb podcast, where we have a special episode, and I know I say that a lot, but today we have special guest Candace Crawl Goldman, who is the creator of Beyond Quantum Healing and the founder of QuantumHealers.com, a guru-free community for all healers. So we're super excited. We have Will with us as always, and we have Samantha and myself and welcome or welcome back. We're gonna get right into it with an exciting conversation with one of my favorite people. Will and I uh, have come to know and love Candace as part of our soul family. And we're super excited that she took time out of her busy schedule to come and talk to us today. So Candace, just starting off for anybody that may not know you, I know you have quite a fan following, but tell us about Beyond Quantum Healing. How did that come about? And what was your inspiration? Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for that really special introduction. I do appreciate it. I think of you too so fondly. Um, I'm going to apologize in advance. We have a new kitten who has uh, is playing a little bell over there. So if there's a little <laughs> bit of noise right there, he's, he's over there playing. So Beyond Quantum Healing, BQH. Well, I'm fairly well known as being an assistant to Dolores Cannon, and I worked very closely with her from 2008 until her death, 2014. And I was a dyed-in-the-wool QHHT practitioner and uh, ran Dolores's support forum community from basically the time I took her class until the time she passed. And then after she passed in 2014, the family went in a direction and I and some of uh, our practitioners went in a different direction. We kind of uh, took two different roads. And for quite a while, I just supported Dolores Cannon practitioners like, like I always had. But then we kind of opened our doors for support. And then we also opened our hearts and our minds to new concepts, new flexible ways of looking at how one might practice quantum healing, because I found that there was a real disconnect sometimes. What I found was that many of the quantum healers would um, adapt Dolores's approach, but they were not feeling free enough to talk about it or to uh, openly um, advertise, shall we say, the fact that they adapted the approach in their own way, in their own practice. And I thought that quantum healers needed that sort of integrous place to go. And BQH basically says, practice the way you're guided to practice, practice the way your client, you know, it seems to need your help today and use all of the tools at your disposal, not just one, but maybe all of the tools. And then finally, um, many quantum healers had been very quietly, very much under the radar doing sessions kind of online. And Dolores was was heartily against that. And I didn't do sessions online at all. As a matter of fact, I didn't do my first online session until quite a, quite a bit of time had passed after Dolores uh, herself had died. Uh, but the very first one I did was a miraculous healing. And that that just set me off. It was like, well, it's time to create a new approach. And, and that's where BQH came from. And I think that's that's what you asked. Uh, yeah, that's just, fantastic. Just anything? It basically, no, that's... you want to know where BQH, how it was inspired and, and where it came from. And yeah, now we have uh, thousands of practitioners all over the world. And the class itself, uh, I think we're translating it now into the seventh language. Amazing. That is amazing. And I, you know, it was kind of um, an accident how I found that um, <laughs> in 2018, right yeah. after you had, you were doing beta testing and then right after that in the summer when you started it officially, uh, my my guides led me to that in a very funny circumstance that I think I've described it before. Um, and my assumption was that I would use that process to help Will who had just started channeling. And so at that time he needed to be induced and so I used your approach after I learned it. He was my first client, which I know sometimes we say don't use family members for your first uh, client, but um, I knew that he could go under. So I put him under and it worked. I mean, I knew that he could go out, but I thought he's my spouse, we've been married this long and maybe he, my voice will be weird to him or whatever, but no, he went out 
And I was like, whoa, okay, this is real. And I talked to his guides and um, they said, no, you're not to do this just for him. You're gonna see your own clients and everything. So um, it was profound in my life. So I thank you for that. Um, at the time, the only thing we knew was QHHT and I knew that it was expensive. I, I, I personally couldn't afford it at the time. Um, and the liberating experience of BQH is super helpful. And I've heard many people talk about the cost has been prohibitive and they appreciate what you've done with this this work. So thank you for that. Were you going to jump in? Well, yeah, I was just thinking because I don't know as much about um, BQH and but I've heard of some of the controversy between the two, mm -hmm. you know, or the or, or, you know, staying more pure on this line or going this direction. But what I like about what you said is going back to that conversation we had with um, Toby which was the fact that we're all it seems in this new era we're coming into that we're all utilizing so many different tools it's not just one thing and we need that freedom to you know spread out and just you know choose from the toolkit what we need for the client the client's more important than the actual practice of any one particular thing so i love that right yeah freedom is the key word mm -hmm. and it's you know i'm amongst uh, other practitioners, we've talked so much about how what we're doing changes on the daily almost, and you really have to rely on your guides and your inspiration from source to do the method that works best for you and use all of the tools in your toolbox, such that many of us have a hard time even knowing what to call ourselves anymore. It's like, okay, quantum healer kind of mm -hmm. encompasses it. We're no longer just a Reiki practitioner or an energy. I mean, it's so many practitioners having having a hard time figuring out what to put on their website, for example. Have you experienced that, Candace? Oh, absolutely, because most of us haven't only just taken one class. As a matter of fact, I think of Reiki as almost like, well, you know, I don't want to make it sound like it's a pejorative, but it's like kindergarten for healers. Most of us start with Reiki. It's just very natural. It's very old. It's very traditional. It's very easy to, to, to begin that way. And most of us have stepped into this world learning that method. And most of us continue to use some of those skills when dealing with clients. And, you know, I want to mention something. First of all, not a day goes by where I don't think about Dolores Cannon and thank her for all of her contributions in this work, in this world. Here's what I'm thoroughly convinced of, and I have goosebumps just get ready to say it. Dolores Cannon herself does wouldn't have sat still and, and stayed in stasis. If she would be here now, I guarantee you she would have expanded and done new and different things. She wasn't stuck in the mud. She wasn't. I mean, look at her work. Look at all of those books. Look at all the ways she expanded her own thinking and her own uh, adapt uh, adaptability with with clients. And if you uh, sat next to her as often as I did and watched her work as often as I did in classes and with demonstration subjects, she was very flexible. She, you know, she taught, uh, it seemed very um, straightforward and, and like there was a lot of lines and a lot of boxes around some of those approaches. And in her classes, though, people would ask questions and I can't tell you how often she would say, well, in that case, and then she would explain how she would be flexible in, in that way. About the only place she didn't um, have much flexibility was where any person, you know, in, in the 20 teens would be who were in their mid 80s, she just was not adaptive to technology. Uh, she just didn't get it. Uh, we do so many things on online now and with technology that Dolores just never did. Just like, I mean, how many, you know, mid 80, 90 year old people, you know, who are right now who are flexible with technology. Not that many, I bet, you right. know, it's just yep. a different era. Uh, my own grandmother. reason I'm it. not flexible with technology. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you're using it, you know, and you're not afraid of it. I remember my grandmother saying she had neighbors who would like, you know, walk a mile down the road, you know, two years after a telephone was up or, you know, well, why'd you, why don't you just pick up the phone? You know, they're like, I don't know. I just want to walk down here and talk to you, even though it's two miles I needed to walk. I mean, it's just the way people are, right? But I, I, so for that, it was a little like that, but she was very, very, very flexible. And um, yeah, what I love about it too is 
what BQH attracts other people. So people who have come into it with traditional hypnosis or through QHHT or through Reiki or through tarot card readings or through yoga or through coaching or a lot of different things like that. You know, it's very inclusive in that way. And we welcome people with all those different skill levels to join us because what I love about doing this work so much is my continued ability to learn from other people. I, you know, even while teaching, which, you know, we've got another class coming up here in just a few days and, and with some very, very brand new practitioners showing up to, uh, uh, to join us for the BQH immersion class. But I know that during that teaching process, I will learn so much. And when we get together as practitioners and we share, you know, what we find and what our discoveries have been and what our issues are and, and what maybe some of our clients have experienced, we learn so much from each other. And that's what's just glorious about our community, I think. Yes. And talking about learning, the quantumhealers.com forum is unbelievable. When uh, And it's part of your membership. If you take the class and you enjoy it, you have uh, free access for a while and you can explore. There are so many different topics and not just about hypnosis, but mm. all sorts of quantum metaphysical topics. Um, mediumship, all, all kinds of stuff, anything that happens. And so as a new practitioner, it's invaluable to be able to go on there and ask a question and get real and, um, you know, valuable feedback from experienced practitioners or from new practitioners or people that have a different perspective from you. I mean, I must have spent months and months just scouring the forum after I joined. Uh, and learning so much, and I still do, and I like contributing as well and answering questions for other people as well. So, yeah. Now I have to say, being someone who is not as familiar with all of this stuff, now would be a good time to really get into explaining <laughs> what it, it, what what, it is, what it how you is. do it, what a session is like, because I, I'm just, I'm kind of going, wow, this is all really fascinating, but, but it's like, I'm sure there's people yeah, going, can... what is this? Right. So take and us, this take us through that. About. It's yeah. like a teaser. Candace, yeah. take us through <laughs> A, a typical beyond quantum healing uh, <laughs> session. Sure. Well, I'll do that. Um, first, it's um, it's important to say that our community welcomes healers of all kind, not just people who do BQH or this the kind of traditional format of a past life regression hypnosis session, which is kind of you know the foundation of both QHHT and BQH. So the community itself says if you're Reiki, if you're uh, if you do cranial sacral therapy, if you do yoga, if you do any of those things, you're welcome to join us. So that's our community. But as far as beyond quantum healing, we very much, you know, I make no bones about it. Uh, BQH came out of the fact that I practiced QHHT or Dolores's method of past life regression is what it was uh, called when I actually took her class uh, for a number of years, you know, for, I guess that's uh, 2008 to 20, about, you know, for, for about 10 years, uh, I did nothing but that. And so the foundations are similar. And, and what does that mean? Well, so there's hypnosis is a very conventional, traditional approach of bringing a, a person into a relaxed state of mind so that the hypnotist or the hypnotherapist, depending on their training and background, can help um, create new patterns of thinking, solve problems, discover issues, um, you know, explore, explore their minds and their their emotions and situations and things like that. Hypnosis is very, very well known for things like um, learning how to stop smoking or maybe losing weight. I mean, those are some of the big traditional ways that hypnosis has been used in that way, in conventional hypnosis. Uh, but, but that's a little different, meaning in the suggestible state of hypnosis where the mind is very relaxed, the, the therapist or the hypnotist then sometimes uh, helps the, the client adapt, you know, with suggestions, right? Like smoking's, you know, really not good for you, or it makes your breath smell, or this is not what we want to do. And that's like a suggestive leading form of, of, of hypnosis. So that's not at all what QHHT and BQH is about. QHHT and BQH both are the same in that the the the, the purest approach, the the 
the cleanest approach is to bring a person into a very relaxed state and see where their mind goes, you know, just sort of follow them. And the traditional format of that was in discovering and talking about and um, being interested in past lives because they spontaneously came up in some of these hypnosis sessions many years ago. And then people like Dolores and her husband, Johnny, when they were just playing with the more traditional aspects of hypnosis. They were helping uh, a very anxious woman that they knew sort of calm her nerves. And during some of these very traditional, very conventional hypnosis sessions where they were just trying to help her emotionally, she just naturally uh, slipped into a past life. Mm -hmm. And Dolores and her husband were like, what's (laughs) even going on here? They didn't really realize what was going on. And yet they continued and they continued working with this woman who continued to learn about herself through her own past lives. And that's that was the beginning. And that was the way that Dolores started. And then uh, other past life regressionists have done the same thing, which is bring somebody into a relaxed state, either suggests or um, just open up to the idea that they're going to go back to another time and learn something important or valuable for themselves. And very often people step into these other existences uh, known as past lives. And then, you know, after doing that for a while uh, and Dolores uh, hadn't been doing it for that long. And she found out that it would expand after that, meaning that sometimes people in these suggestible states would visit or explore other parts of their consciousness or of consciousness as a whole and not go to only past lives, but to other places like future lives or lives on other planets or experiencing Wow. Things as um, as varied as a as a red blood cell to a rock on a moon to uh, you know you just can't even believe what else. I mean, one of the most obscure things I ever had a client experience was. Are you ready for this one? She was a piece. Now, not all of it, but she was a piece of gravity on our moon. Wowza. A piece of it, just a piece. She she encompassed and was um, in charge of a portion of gravity on the moon. And it sounds just like, what are you even talking about? And let me tell you what, exploring that seemingly what you know ridiculous or obscure thing, uh, we learned so much about her. And she actually had an incredible healing during the session. Wow, that's amazing. And what's (laughs) so interesting is it can seem like a very vanilla session, like not a lot is happening. And yet such profound changes can happen during those sessions. And sometimes the client realizes it right away and sometimes later. Um, yeah, does that answer your question pretty much? No, that, that did great job there. (laughs) So yeah, back in the day, it was a little more formulaic. We'd go to some past lives, then we'd get in touch with through QHHT. It was your SC, the subconscious now. Uh, again, we've um, become more flexible, so clients don't always go to a past life. Sometimes they don't see any lives at all right away, and we get in touch with what we call their wisdom team, their team of guides, okay. uh, their higher self, who is the one that really orchestrates the session and puts you in touch with the perfect mm-hmm. practitioner uh, and steers the session, in my view. And so depending upon what the client needs is how the session goes, and it's, it's really life-changing. It's amazing. And so it sure can be, and you never know what's going to show up. That's right. one of the, I mean, you just never, right. never know. It's a surprise every time. Exactly. <laughs> and you can't go in with expectations. Well, so I was wondering what, who was it you were connecting with again when, when you did your session with Will, who it was at a bunch of different people. Or? So by the point, by the point that Allison was trained in uh, QHT, I mean, uh, B- BQH, BQH, um, we were already I was working with a QHHT practitioner who had come for about five or six different sessions to flesh out my team and and who all that was. But my initial from that first QHHT session, uh, the first contact was Enoch, and that's who came through. Okay. Well, by that time we knew you had the collective, so we talked. I talked to the whole collective. So then, once once Allison was trained, then as as she expressed, you know, put me under, she had the the full call of the collective for two hours. So and, yeah, it's and, really amazing. Yeah. And that's when the handshake occurred. And that's you guys were off and running. Yes. Pretty much. Pretty yes. Much. Okay. Pretty much. All right. So, <laughs> so Candace talking about uh, where this all goes, I mean, the sky is the limit. And so I know 
that you know, and I know <laughs> that there is a lot of consciousness exploration taking place right now. And the energy that's hitting Earth is supporting us in magnificent ways. So tell us about some of the experiments that you've been conducting in consciousness exploration. Ooh. And we'll talk about that because that's also fascinating. Well, you know, kind of wow. Um, it, it it really is limitless. If you can think of it, you know, it's it's something that that you can try. And it it started out with some of the gatherings that we had in Arkansas when Dolores would have her transformational conferences, and she would have speakers there, her writers there, or some of the ET conferences. And and one year I'm you know, I suggested, Dolores, why don't we have a reunion with the practitioners and we'll have it like right before, just a couple of days before. And then, you know, then those people can stay for the conference. And so for, and it wasn't very many, we only got about three years of that in before she passed away. Um, but that very first year was, you know, I've always been a creative person. I started out as, as an artist. I am still an artist, a very creative person. And That's I am phenomenal. No artist, I must, I must say, phenomenal. Oh, thank, you. <laughs> thank you so much. I dreamed of painting last night, actually. Um, but I've never had a problem being creative or thinking outside of the box. It, uh, I usually have a problem kind of reining that in. And so, you know, we thought of a lot of activities to do for our very first practitioner reunion. And one of the things I wanted to do and wanted to try was I wanted to have three of us go into trance state uh, at the same time and then ask questions uh, while three people were, um, you know, under hypnosis at the same time. And when Dolores found out about this, um, it was a very interesting thing. She was like, well, why would you want to do that? And I'm like, to explore. <laughs> and what was funny was, uh, you know, she was just kind of like looking like this. And I, I don't know, she she was very um, questioning about that for a while. But the, the second year, she showed up for the demonstration and participated in it, which uh, it just was, was the most incredible thing for me ever uh, to have Dolores do that. But it's that kind of that kind of exploration. And we've done that a number of times where we've put uh, uh, one, uh, two people or three people all in the same space. As a matter of fact, Allison, you and Will, yep. great example there. We did what it's called, we call it a tandem session when there's two of you, just kind of like a bicycle built for two. Well, we did a session with Will and Allison and they both listened to the induction. They both went into the trance state and then they had an experience and it, it was uh, it was mind blowing. It, it was I'll never forget it, it, it my whole entire life. You know, I haven't done I can't even say that many tandem sessions, maybe a dozen or so. Not that many. Not, not a lot of people, uh, you know, uh, are set up or agree or want to do that. But every one of them I've ever done has been spectacular. And many of them uh, it begin with them in the same exact place, finishing each other's sentences. And as if they're both watching a, a, a screen, in, you know, in the same place and talking about the exact same thing that's going on at the same time while they're laying side by side with with their eyes closed. And it's um, it's always been powerful. Uh, and what we've done lately is something again with Will and Allison and a few more friends. We brought together a group of people and we did this thing. And here's what we did. We played the recording of a past life regression and we all kind of were carried along with it. And that past life regression was Dolores Cannon herself uh, giving me a past life regression as the her demonstration subject in 2008. And so I myself, put my head back on the recliner and re-entered the state mm. of where I was experiencing this past life as a caveman. And um, we had the most intense and interesting conversation afterwards yeah. about what that was like and what we discovered and what we learned about ourselves and each other. Uh, I would love to, you know, it's been been a little while since we've done that. I haven't released any of these recordings. I certainly plan to. How have you all thought about it since we 
we did that experiment well and else i, I was yeah. going to say can we peek behind the curtain a little bit and get an idea of what that experience was yeah, like for y'all or do you remember yeah, it? we have a couple of threads yeah. here we can pull yeah i can, I can. <laughs> and the viewers can watch that at the quantum healers youtube channel that can yes but not yet i've, I've not got it's basically yeah it's basically sitting on my desk i'm waiting to package up a bunch of things we 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 recorded it but i have yet to release it right but our tandem one is on there correct yes uh Pretty sure that's on there. Well, you know where it is. It's in the BQH class as a, as a demonstration for our class. But that's I don't demo. Think, yeah. I don't think we put it on the YouTube channel. Oh, because okay. Well, you have to join the Beyond Quantum Healing <laughs> Forum. Maybe, yeah. Quantumhealers.com. I, I will say you know, it's a great idea, though. I would love to put some snippets out of that. Maybe not the whole session, but snippets yeah. of it. It was phenomenal. I, I will say from my standpoint, as, as you were, I, I knew what you were getting ready to bring up. And as you were bringing it up, I was just filled with chills because I, I it was so, it, it was so intense because, uh, because of my, I don't want to call it an ability, but just the way that I can follow the path into that place. When we were walk, yeah, walking through Candace's. Right. right. And right, it right. was interesting because we had two other practitioners. So it was three practitioners, Candace and two other practitioners that had little parts of it to do. When when it got to Candace and I tuned in. Wait, wait, wait. Her, Are you talking about the tandem one? Yeah, the tandem oh, one. Oh, the tandem one. Okay. When we got to the, when, when it got to the point at which Candace started speaking, it was like, I don't, I can't even explain it. It was like a portal opened up and it just, there I went. I mean, it was that it's it's similar to when Allison does her induction, those that are and I and I truly believe this. Those that are practitioners that are so tuned in there, they enter into the trans state first, very light trans state first to open the pathway up oh, to allow the to allow the client to slide right in. And that's and it's evident when I listen. And, and here's another interesting example. We there was another person we, we did something a while back and we wanted to get some information and allison's like well do you want to do you want me to induce you to get the information or do you want to our, our friend to go under oh i'll let the friend go under you know i'll let allison induce the the friend and put her under and i'll sit and be an observer was i an observer oh. <laughs> no i tried so hard not to go in and we come out the other side and i said do you remember when she said this and i'm like no no well what about when she said that no no <laughs> he was out i was out i mean but i wasn't in the i wasn't in the journey i was just out i was in that layer and i it just don't i was con i was there but i wasn't there and highly it's susceptible very 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 but yeah. candace it's interesting about those tandem sessions because i've done only one and it was with will and a friend of ours that wanted to to just practice and have fun and they did not end up in the same spot, nor did Will and I, no, I don't think, and start first. out. Right. And so I had to kind of guide them both to the same place. And then one sort of followed the other. It was like one was having the journey and the other one was sort of observing and following along in that life. Mm. Um, but I think it's you have to be a really good practitioner to be able to do those well, because that's not easy. Because if they go no. into different places... It's Right. You're trying to Body. navigate too, and you're like, okay, hold on, let me ask this one some questions. Well, and hold on, let me ask. And two, between you and I, I mean, I hear, I can listen to the script and go, boom, I'm out. Allison, though, is very. I'm still there. Right. Still kind of yeah. at the surface, and she has to almost like visualize it as it's happening to get into that space mm -hmm. and and never fully deep in like i'm i mean it's very rare very small amount of people that go so deep but yeah that was a really interesting yeah, yeah but once it started flowing it was just amazing i mean absolutely you know, well think about think about the plot line of your session right i mean because not only did they they weren't in the okay they weren't the same species Right. It wasn't the same time. They weren't <laughs> on the same planet. None, I mean, they were as far apart as you can imagine. And yet going back and forth as they talked, suddenly everything came together and they were in the same place at the same time. And they knew why they'd been separated. Mm -hmm. And the tears were just flowing. And it was, 
there, nobody in the room wasn't crying because this was again a demonstration and there, there were people there watching and crying and then at the very end there was this thing um it had been a a, a cloudy day and storms had been nearby a little bit of rain and everything but there was this giant clap of thunder right as it was coming to an end and Will was talking about the energy and the connection and all that. And it goes, God, boom, like that. And it was, <laughs> it was the one and only um, yeah. sound of thunder that entire day. And it came like an exclamation mark right on the session when yeah. Will was talking yeah. about the energy. It was, it was <laughs> extraordinary. Right. Were you going to ask? Well, you know, what I'm curious about when you talk about these tandem sessions and I, so I, I just proposing, um, it would seem to me that it would take a lot of intimacy, willingness to like, yes, you're going in to do this with another person to do a tandem ses session. So you're all excited. But, you know, people have that reserve yeah. of, you know, I don't I, I need to hold stuff back or whatever. So I, I would think that it's not just the practitioner's ability to mm -hmm. have you all in the same spot. But how much is it also the participants willingness? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you a really lot. gotta I mean, get them on board. Yeah, and Allison, you may recall the the tandem session that that you watched when we were at that goddess retreat, right? I mean, you were there watching when we had our three friends. Two were practitioners. One was a, a former client of mine who had an instant healing and an amazing session, and so many other things. She was so, um, she was so turned on by this work and and so much it had had affected her life and she was so interested in Dolores and all of this connection and all of that and and we had so we had that client and we had two other practitioners the three of them went into a trance state now I'd done more than one session with this client she'd done other sessions she was just great she's a proven client yet when she went into this you know three uh, person trance state the energy of the other two and of the, the connecting, and we had intended to connect to Dolores's energy, that energy was so powerful, she couldn't speak. She mm -hmm. couldn't speak at all. She just laid there and sort of vibrated. Do you remember that? She just laid there and vibrated and couldn't say words at all. And this is a very verbose woman. She had a lot to say any other time she did this work. And again, she was a proven subject who was very interested in this and she was ready, willing, and able but connecting up with these other two consciousness and then connecting with Dolores's energy, it proved to be a place where she was in, uh, unable to speak. I mean, she just wow. all she could do is just be there and and remain connected and sort of right, uh, right. hold the energy. Right. The only the other two could speak. Right. And so in terms of uh, our experiment, when we went through your past life regression mm. with Dolores and we entered into it with you again and then we came out on the other side to see what we had gleaned from that that was also that's another way to what we're realizing how yes. we can combine our energies and weave our energies and our consciousness together and we can go into the dream state with others we can enter the hypnosis state with others Meditation we can state, do yeah. telepathic while we're conscious i mean there's just so much um, do you want to speak to uh, what you felt when we did the um, when we went into her journey, her past life regression? It's a bit foggy at this point because again, it's one of those things when I go in, I'm there, and then when I come out, it I ha it's fresh. It's like a dream, yeah. yeah. And then you know, we're how many you know we're how many weeks past that, and so now it's a little it's foggy. Been a little while. I just yeah. want to clarify just a little bit because because I'm I'm slightly confused, so maybe somebody else out there is. <laughs> um, so you are it's not a practitioner doing this is a recording of a practitioner doing this with Dolores with and you are on the yes. ride. So this is, this is <laughs> like a the, recording yes, of, yes. Okay. of Dolores walking Candace through a past life regression. She okay. is the subject and Dolores is the practitioner. Okay. So we all gathered together via zoom and obviously myself and Elson here in the treehouse, along with, I think four or five other, uh, other people. Wow. <laughs> and, um, Candace played the audio for us to listen to. We all found our respective places to just get as comfortable as we could. And 
you can say we entered into a dream state or into the trance state or the conscious connective state. And mm -hmm. that's really what we were trying to achieve is trying to yeah. bring the consciousness all together at once. Because that life she experienced mm -hmm. still exists. Right. Because Candace experienced it after the fact, obviously, because it was caveman times, right? Mm -hmm. During the initial. Well, there's only now, so time. Right. And so we <laughs> revisited that same experience right. with Candace again. And it was So did you all see different aspects? Yeah. We, okay. Yes. Well, so now go it, ahead. Right. right. So then, it it. All, then, it's, <laughs> then each one of us really played an observer role of that life of Candace and, and then gave our perspective of what took place. Or what learning we maybe felt exactly took yeah. place yeah. yeah yeah okay yeah so i take it that's kind you of know, the thing that we're doing yeah. we meditate i got it yeah it was it, it was amazing for me to share that too because bringing their consciousness into this exploration allowed me to see other layers of it too even wow. though you know i've contemplated this for many many years uh and it, it continues to inform me and my life and it was all about you know, it, of course, it was all about a community, right? It was a community of, of people, and I was being the rebel, which is just obviously this thing that I continue to play. I continue to play out this theme of, <laughs> hey, how about we do things better? And then, you know, the mob comes after me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're playing out some of that, but it, but it was extraordinary. And some of the other things that we're doing, in even in our community, is. Uh, I invited all of our members to uh, share and step into a dream I had that it, it continues. I've had three separate dreams now. Again, Dolores is involved in this one. She she just seems to be, I, I have this feeling, you know, Dolores left this planet, but she didn't remove her energy completely away from humans at all. I think she's hovering right here. I think she stays connected to many of those who continue her work or continue to work as if she were still doing this and just fans or anybody who's, who's open to this kind of stuff. And we've had people in our community then tell us about meeting uh, in this other, uh, basically underground cave meeting room where this other dream uh, took place. And this is an ongoing experiment. And it, you know, it's a live discussion right now on, in our community forums, anybody who, Hey, I had a dream of Dolores in a cave, you know, and then add adds to the list and, and speaking in the site in this terms of, you know, now, you know, this shared dream space. And when I first put it out there, talk about this shared dream and people are like, well, wait, I missed that post. I'm like, no, you didn't miss anything <laughs> tonight, next week, you know, two months from now, it just, yeah. It's, yeah. it's all the same, you know, mm -hmm. just, uh, come, come with us. See, see if it comes up. I was going to say it's interesting. You know, this this collective, we'll call it a collective dream state. It was, I want to say it was last year, um, probably mid year of last year of twenty, would it be twenty twenty two, that um, several of us here in the Charleston area, but then there were others that we know of, well, through the forum and stuff that we are still in contact with and reach out to us and stuff. But we all had these reoccurring dreams of water, of flooding, of, you know, impending, you know, overwash of water. And, it, and, and a lot of them were very, very exact, you know, rep, replicable, you know, that kind of thing. So um, I think there's something to say that, you know, that as we as we are as we are moving forward mm -hmm. and everything is speeding up but it's slowing down at the same time our consciousnesses are coming together are, are really really come unifying and that's why i think many of us are when we get those synchronous moments of dreams or thoughts or even telepathy we need to pay a lot more attention to that now than maybe we did you know five or ten years ago right and well, we so. we know that we already are traveling in our dream state and we're doing things and we're working whether we remember that or not but now the point is to do it consciously yeah. to deliberately set up experiments or situations where mm -hmm. you can gather and weave your consciousness together with others we keep getting all kinds of messages from our guides about practicing this and practicing our telepathy yeah. mm -hmm. now i was just thinking I, you know i think it should be an encouragement most definitely yeah. if people you know just to share these experiences, these dreams that you're having, connect, like find your community 
and whatever that community is at the time, you know, develop a community where you're sharing these because you know, I mean, you know, when mm -hmm. it's more than just a dream, like yeah. it feels, I, it's like movie scriptable. Is yeah. how I say yeah. it. like, I know who I would cast and I know exactly the feeling and the light and, you know, it's, it's not where it's just so juxtaposed or whatever, mm -hmm. but, but people need to start speaking out and sharing these experiences mm -hmm. because there's obviously a point behind them or it wouldn't be like on the increase like it is. Right. Yeah. But I like how you said that, how, you know, as we're expanding, we're also growing in closer. Yeah. I think it's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> so shifting gears for a moment, one of the other things Candace was doing this month in April is in lieu of our traditional yearly, um, what was our conference, our, our virtual conference? It used to be past life regression week, but it is mm -hmm. now. Yeah, we started uh, celebrating Dolores Cannon's birthday, which is April 15th, which, you know, for Americans is not a happy day, typically. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> and you know what I love about to Dolores, the, the, the name Dolores, the Dolores means pain, and, you know, cannon is a weapon, and April 15th <laughs> is tax day. And Well, anyway, I thought the whole day could have, uh -huh. could have used a little... I didn't even make those connections. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Yeah, a little shift in perspective, right? So, you know, to celebrate uh, Dolores's work, but really all the work of all consciousness explorers and all past life regressionists, uh, we started, yeah, we started out calling it Past Life Regression Day, then Past Life Regression uh, Week. And then, you know, I've never, I knew at the time that it's kind of ridiculous calling anything a past life regression. Past lives is just a tiny part of all the things that we do, this past life thing. Mm. So we changed the name over to Quantum Realms. And Quantum Realms is what we've been celebrating in April every year, except for this year, it just didn't happen, mostly for technological reasons. We're moving over into a brand new platform and there were just not enough people and not enough uh, there just wasn't enough oomph to get it to go. But I did uh, put out to our community uh, a group project idea. And I've asked for people to uh, comment on this, create their own videos, blogs, uh, projects, etc. And that's on the topic of spiritual street smarts. Mm -hmm. And uh, the idea has been shared with our community and I've invited, uh, you know, everybody to to create their own things, their own projects. And I've had uh, a number of interviews They're they're sitting, too, in the pile, basically waiting for me to get to them. But we've had some fascinating conversations. Um, it's It's basically asking people, what do you think the idea of being street smart or spiritually street smart actually is? I think it's come to the fore, especially in the last three years. If you watch and if you've been involved in the metaphysical community, you know that 2020 and the events of that year um, split this community just like it split a whole lot of others. And uh, there were people who were doing and saying some things uh, in our community that uh, were very surprising to say the least. And uh, and so it got me to ask a lot of questions about you know, the susceptibility of people to, to believe things. I mean, come on, look at what we do. I just talked to you a few minutes ago about being a piece of gravity on the moon. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, the whole thing is just seems like, well, if you believe that, honey, you believe anything. And, and so, you know, how gullible are we? I don't know how it how it is, but I, I make the claim and, and I, I promise you, I believe this claim when I tell you that I have a great imagination and I can play in those realms. And I'm also incredibly practical. I want what we do to be very practical, very useful and adaptable to the human three-dimensional physical life that we're living. I still get very excited about going out, looking at the cosmos and the stars and talking about my dreams and doing this work. But, you know, I want to pay my bills and be healthy and have great relationships too. all of those things. And all of those things maybe even are more important. Why? Because this is what we're doing now. You know, we're all going to end up in the spirit realm, but we are human now. Right. Yeah. So what we're doing now is very important. Um, but, uh, you know, watching um, those of us who are in the spiritual community and sort of seeing what what they take on board or uh, some of the things that they're saying or doing, I I have some, uh, you know, some thoughts and, and uh, some hopes that that they aren't so gullible as to 
as to fall for things that uh, one might not fall for when they're street smart. And that's meaning that in the in the 3D sort of way. You know, if you're walking through a, a town, uh, you know, a, an urban area at nighttime, you're aware of your surroundings. You pay attention to who who's doing what. You make sure you can see what's going on and you know where you are and you have discernment about any interaction you might have with anybody. I mean, this is just common sense. And I think these kinds of uh, street smarts need to be brought into this realm as well, both as a client, um, as a uh, as a student, and even as a practitioner. Uh, all of those roles, uh, one needs to be street smart in this realm, just like in any other realm. And that's what I've invited people to talk about. Right. And I think it's such, it's so difficult in this realm of healers and helpers because we want to operate out of a place of love and openness and trust. Right. And so you can be taken advantage of. And I think, unfortunately, and it was really evident in 2020 and beyond how some of us got hooked into things that were not necessarily in our best interest or different rabbit holes that probably weren't beneficial and i you know myself included but i think what that did was hone our discernment because i mean it was trial by fire this is it you need to figure out who who is emanating this truth and who is not and you have we're gonna have to rely on that sense mm -hmm instead of relying on what's coming out of their mouth, because what's coming out of their mouth is not matching up with the energy and we have to recognize the energy. Um, what do you think of when you think of spiritual street smart? What, like what comes to your mind? Well, I mean, we did a whole thing on discernment, <laughs> you know, right. we, we constantly talk about the importance of discernment, but when I think of spiritual street um, smarts, it's like, you know, there there's, when I think of you run into a guru, someone that, you know, you're like, everyone's talking about, but you really have to feel it out. Like, is this person right for you? Are they more focused on themselves and what they're teaching? Or are they more focused on the benefits of the students? You know, there's just like a, I, I guess a litany of questions that you kind of got to go through and understand who, who is it benefiting to me when it's benefiting everyone? You know, like when I say I'm learning as much as you right, are getting right, out of it, right. you know, and it's all a positive exchange and it's exploration. I mean, that feels expansive. Right. And I think that's another thing is tuning into, does this feel expansive or does it feel contractive? Do mm. I feel like, mm, nope, you know, and the moment you feel, we've got to get in touch with our feels. <laughs> that's what it amounts to. Yes. I mean, yeah. seriously, it's yeah. just stop listening to what everyone's saying and just go, does this feel right for me? Right. It's either a yes or it's a no mm. and just leave it at that. Yeah. And if it's neither, you just wait. Right. Yeah. If you don't know, you just wait. Wait for the nudge. And, you know, for myself, it's, you know, I, I went through the cycle, this as well before the, 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 the 2020, 2021 era, but of turning off news, right? You know, I, you know, I made the decision that, you know, I, I don't need to have that on in the background while I'm working in my office. I don't need to have it as just fodder in the background, because as I also would always say, well, it's still affecting you. No, it's not. Rawr. Yeah, it is. <laughs> The but same, I but mean, the... in his defense, his mother had talk radio no, on radio yeah. all his life. But, so he's used to having this noise in the right. background. You need a white noise. Yeah, just yeah, that white noise. Noise. Exactly. yeah. But now moving in as as we move forward. OK, so I turn off the TV or turn off the radio or, or the news. Well, then what do you fill that space with then? Well, for me, it was music. But now as I'm growing in my spiritual aspect, well, who do I listen to? What do I listen to? How do I make the discernment of who and what to listen to? Well, for myself, I keep that very simple. I don't. And it's because of the work that I do. <clears throat> I don't want to be infiltrated by others' medium, others' work. So I don't listen to other channels. I don't listen to other, you know, fortune tellers or mm -hmm. anything else. Mm -hmm. I, it, the most I will listen to is if Allison is listening to something and it's a little snippet and she wants me to listen to that little snippet. That's fine. But full you know full full broadcast of somebody else's channelings or somebody else's information or any of that nope we well, don't even I, listen to yourself i don't even listen to myself <laughs> but that's a whole different that's a whole different aspect because it's being processed through me and i yeah and i i you know over the years that i've done this now i definitely feel that change i i can feel that in my essence so yeah so it is for me it's it's just keeping myself i don't mm -hmm. want to say pure because that's not right either but just clean just comfortable 
And then I can make my discernment of what's taking place in front of me and around me. I don't, you know, and, you know, do I do certain rituals? Sure. There's certain rituals I have. I think we all have rituals, but that's, that's just for myself, but that isn't to be. And there's a, another uh, topic that I want you to weigh in on, if you would, Candace, and that is this, uh, what I'm, what I've noticed in the spiritual community, as we start to evolve, there comes this uh, idea that because um, we're operating from our truth, we can do and say whatever we feel our truth is, right? Regardless of the outcome. And then if the outcome triggers somebody, it's their trigger. And so I've run into this and I, I find that it's almost like gaslighting where, you know, I'm an abuser, I'm going to abuse you. And if you complain, that's your trigger. What the hell's wrong with you? So tell me about, have you experienced that? And what do you think? Oh, yeah, it's used as a weapon like everything else. I mean, we, we are living in an age of inversion, of, of just complete and utter inversion. You know, I mean, I don't I don't need to spell it out for you. You, you barely have to uh, see anything um, on um, cultural side to see things that are absolutely upside down. Um, there's this... Um, there's this very interesting thing about um, the free exchange of ideas being sh kind of shut down too, you know, and where only one line of thinking is starting to be accepted. And then this, this other thing happens. It used to be called canceling, but you know what? It's, it's like, it's even beyond canceling. I think it, it, it the idea is they, they want, they want a, um, like a damnation almost, right. Which is, it becomes it, this religious zeal uh, with some of these thoughts that uh, not only can can you not say say those things, you certainly can't think them. And once we remove you from all of that, uh, it, it's like an eternal. It's like a religious zeal of we're going to make sure your next life is isn't even going to be comfortable. I mean, the, the fervor, <laughs> the fervor of it all <laughs> is absolutely uh, you know inquisitional. Uh, you know, in my mind and. And it's it's almost funny if it wasn't so tragic and so many people's lives were weren't at uh, at risk. So I think that's part of that's part of that. Uh, you know, trying to stay true to yourself um, is it's a difficult thing when you know you you want to allow other people their own free expression. But you also know when that that line is crossed into weaponry. You just know it. You feel it. It's a discernment thing. It's like, okay, that's not that's not being free. That's encroachment and and gaslighting, like you said. And just uh, it, it it's it's just a it's a complex, advanced version of the emperor having no clothes. I mean, it's just what it is, you know. And uh, it's extraordinary how many. Uh, people just play along with it and have played along with a lot of this stuff. And um, I watched actually a very interesting conversation the other day. And it happened to be about because um, I am watching and I do watch a, a, a few select things about uh, science and health. I still always do. I have a very uh, keen interest in in the in the part that consciousness plays in our health and our physical health. And uh, and this idea, of course, you know, how can we not have thought about this in the last uh, couple of three years since since uh, COVID? Uh, because this very strange thing started happening. You know, I thought that the the scientific method was sort of this given. You know, that you tested a hypothesis and you brought these things together and stuff like that. But the the scientific method has been usurped by consensus by consensus which is just a kind of a you know a fancy one word term for mob rule you know i mean and and if you if you are making your own decisions because well that's what and it's it's uh, what is it the milford experiment y'all are y'all oh, yeah, familiar yeah, yeah. with the milford experiment yeah, right? as a psychology major for sure what was yeah. the, just the brief yeah. milford just i i don't recall then it's familiar just but somebody having a trench know. coat i mean a trench coat Jeez, so, that was going a different a lab, direction a lab <laughs> Might as well be a trench Long coat. Somebody having a lab coat and telling someone to give a series of increasingly strong shots.
box to oh. somebody behind a screen or whatever. You couldn't see the person. Okay. So they just kept saying, you need to do it. And the other person on the screen was increasingly louder and louder and louder saying that it hurt. Uh -huh. But just because someone in a lab oh, coat was telling you to do it, they bypassed sense. their own internal guidance and wow. did it anyway. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. It's a, it's a strangely human uh, trait of ours. And what's fascinating is, um, it, do you know that it's a calculable percentage? It's something like 20 to 25% of us, 20% of us, which, you know, I'll invite you to uh, apply those numbers to recent figures in, in other calculations, shall we say. You know, what, what, where else do you uh, reside with 20% of people who would or wouldn't do something, right? Only 20 uh, and right there. For clarification, you mean only 20% that would stand up to that lab coat. Exactly. Yeah, and that's not a lot. That's really kind of disheartening. Exactly. I, I know exactly. what you're 80% of the people out there, that's why we've had the last two, three years that we've had. Well, right. all, all the rest of us are going, are you out of your minds? You know, um, they've gone along with it. It's because of this consensus thing. Now, to be fair, to be fair, and, you know, I'm a I'm an animal person, a horse person, and herd dynamics, you know, horses belong in herds. You know, you put a horse uh, by himself somewhere. I, to this day, I see a horse out in the pasture by itself and, and I, 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 it breaks my heart because I know what that horse wants more than desperately, more than anything, uh, typically is to be in a herd because that's their natural state. And humans are the same way, which is why solitary confinement is one of the worst things you can do to a human, remove them from everybody, you know. Mm -hmm. remove them that's why you you put a kid in the hallway in, in class and you know you single them out and all that stuff so this this idea that um you have to go along with what most of the so that you continue to belong to the tribe to the group so that it, you know it, it it's it's written into our dna as a, a form of survival you know uh, especially when you're a little little it's a very small kitten and he's having a blast running around um, when you're, you know, when you depend on other people and some people just kind of don't get out of that. And uh, but it's a very human thing. But the, the I think more of us are waking up. I, I want to say, the as you guys talk about this, because um, I had an encounter with a mentor that um, just told people just do, you know, just do what you're going to do, like follow that, be true to yourself, supposedly. And the word that they were missing was with integrity. Yeah. And I think in, and so for me, anything that I teach, mm -hmm. anything that I say to others, it's always, I want to be doing it with integrity and I want them to, yeah. you know, like feel that integrity. And I think that that's the thing that tends to be missing the most is whatever you're going to say, you know, if it's not integrous to the other person, why are you saying it? Like, which which that's there's many layers to that but you know essentially you're you're weighing you know what's what's positive what's of benefit you're taking a moment to mm -hmm. think through your thoughts and not just spew everything coming forth right. that enters your mind right right you know and yeah. i so i think that's a really important factor yeah. to you know all mentors should be bringing into their teaching and that good old-fashioned yeah. advice i think there were three things i don't remember them all but I, you know is it beneficial <laughs> and is it kind yeah. you know yeah. what i mean before you yeah. start speaking just because it's your truth doesn't mean you have to share it golden right. rule right right yes <laughs> is it necessary i think is the third one yeah. else yeah 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 yeah, you know, this uh, one of the things that has come up in some of the conversations that we've had about um, the idea of uh, spiritual street smarts was, you know, we use that word discernment a lot. And and some people who are just getting into this, they they don't know what to do with that word. Right. Because, again, humans are taught to, uh, you know, listen to experts or authority figures or teachers or clergy or parents or whoever, you know, leaders, right? And uh, more and more, we're having to question that. But, um, you know, if you if you think about it, just think about it in your own life. If, um, if, if you say something that is patently false and you say it, you feel that in your body. Or at the very least, feel the difference. If, if you say something that's patently false and while you're saying it and you know you're saying something that's false, for whatever reason, if you're saying it, and then, and then you know, compare that to when you're saying something that's profoundly 
true and powerful and makes it makes you feel good and is uplifting and feel what that feels like in your body. And at first that might seem very subtle, but after a while, the distinction between those two things becomes so great and so powerful that, that there's no question the difference in those two energies. And when you start living your life like that, um, I mean, it's been a number of years right now. And every, every once in a while, I'm suggested by somebody for whatever reason, sort of, well, just, and then they'll say something like, and it'll, it'll be basic, like, well, just tell them this little white lie. You know, that'll just make this thing go over. And I, I just, I, for years now, I'm like, I will not do that. I, I not even the littlest yeah. one. I either will say, I cannot answer you, whatever, or I will say the truth as gently and as kindly as possible. But I, I've come to hone that aspect in myself so greatly that I cannot do it. It's painful for me to do it. It's, it's, it's like taking a weapon to my own body to say things that, that aren't true anymore. Now that doesn't always mean I, I will, you know, put myself in front of something and, and, and say something that's true uh, to be attacked or whatever, you know, uh, but there's a thing about being quiet as well. I mean, there's a lot of nuance here, but, uh, but that's one way of really um, uh increasing your discernment level is if yeah. you really watch your own self and what it feels like in your body. And once you know what that feels like in your body, guess what? You start getting those vibes and that feeling from somebody else. When they say things that are true or not true, you can feel that energy come this way and you go, it's either this or it's this. Yeah. And most of the time, you know, when you talk to people about that, they will admit that they know when somebody's not telling the truth or when something doesn't feel good and they do it anyway. You know, like even if you're standing in front of an elevator and the, the door opens and there's some weird looking person in there and you, you feel kind of weird, you would rather uh, go by conventional social graces and not say, sorry, I'll take the next one. And you would go ahead and get in against your better judgment. We do yep. that because again, we're programmed to go along in society and not make waves or whatever. Right. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's really good about discernment. If you, cause we did talk about discernment in terms of, I know that I mentioned it. Um, how does it feel when somebody's yes. speaking to you, feel it in your body, but it is easier to recognize those feelings, right? Candace, when you uh, practice it in your own yes. speech and what does it feel like when you just say things? Yeah. 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 Good point. But in recognition of your busy schedule, we want to stick to our time frame, and we are so, so grateful that you joined us and spent uh, an hour out of your busy day with us. And before you go, I do want to clink mugs here <laughs> because, yay, we received these two mugs when we came all the way out to Kansas to be with you for that, um, that special immersion class where we did our tandem session yeah. and you gifted us with these and we love them yep. and cheers to beyond quantum healing and quantumhealers.com. And what else would you like to say uh, in terms of where people can find you and what you're doing in the future? Sure. Well, um, everything's findable at quantumhealers.com. We're busy, busy, busy moving ourselves over to a brand new creation that's basically a three-pronged thing. So we're a community of healers who support each other. And that's the most amazing place. By the way, uh, we don't censor anyone over there. And you don't have to follow just one line of thinking. We have really respectful conversations. And people disagree about some things. And isn't that great? It's not just a group think place. I just love it so much. It's It's been that way for years. And it, it, it's wonderful. We've been going strong since 2008. Um, it's also a directory. So if you're providing services of any kind for others, healing services, um, hypnosis services, coaching services, that kind of thing. Um, you can uh, join us and get on a directory so the clients can find you. And the third arm of our um, website is our learning platform. And we've already moved BQH over. I've got an upcoming class called Quantum Connect that's just sitting there waiting for us to turn the keys and have it be turned on once once everything's working correctly. And we're hoping, by the way, that this uh, learning platform will um, have other teachers involved with it so that, so that we can all continue to grow and expand 
uh, in a horizontal way for, uh, from each other. I'm not interested in being char in charge of everyone. It is sort of my creation, but it's my creation. It's a great big table that I would like uh, everyone to come sit at and join so that we can learn uh, this way across, across the table without a, a hierarchy or any sort of guru telling anyone what to think or what to do. You can find us at quantumhealers.com. And I love you all so much. It was so nice to meet you today for the first time. Uh, as well. <laughs> great, great to great to hear your uh, your voice with with my beautiful friends again. And um, I I'm looking forward to seeing you guys show up back in Kansas uh, later on this summer. Yes, and yes. That's coming up soon. <laughs> And I would like to end simply by saying, Allison, you know, when I first met you in, um, I guess it was Missouri, just standing outside the door at that at that <laughs> place, you just had the, I, it was, I was like car sick. I swear I was like, it was like a thing, you know, we've been on the road for all these hours and you just had the kindest, most amazing thing to say to me. And, and those words continue to reverberate my heart and heal me. So thank you. Oh, thank you so, so, so much. <laughs> and thank you so much again for spending your, your hour with us. Thank you to all of our viewers for spending time with us. And, and uh, we look forward to seeing you guys next time on Out on a Limb podcast. Until then. See you guys. You. Bye. Bye.